Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel of On Shamit Synagogue in Chicago and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Chaye Sarah, Isaac, Ishmael, and Thanksgiving. Have you ever heard the term toxic relationships? Oh yeah, sure. So what will be your definition of the term toxic relationships? Well, something toxic is poisonous, right? So it's something that's hurting you, something that... Um... I guess I would say it's something that is doing more harm than good to you and, and maybe something you should not be partaking in, right? Um, if it's toxic, you should avoid it. Well, if it's toxic, it's poison and it will kill you. And so it is not in your best interest to continue to be in a, in a relationship that's toxic. Clearly, yeah. And I think it makes a lot of sense from a psychological point of view and all of us, I think, can think of relationships in our lives that have been toxic over the years. And probably all of us have ended relationships that were toxic or wish that we had ended friendships or some such things because they were toxic. But how do we deal with that idea when it comes to family? What if you deem someone in your family to be toxic for you? What do you do? And how do you manage it? Do you simply cut them off? That's a question. And I think that's a really hard question that we have to deal with in our society. It's a really hard question because you may recognize that it's toxic, but you may also feel obliged or you may also feel love. And you can have those things at the same time. You can have you can love somebody and be in a toxic relationship with them. And that's really tough because you feel a sense of obligation or perhaps it's toxic. And the person who's um, causing this toxicity um, has problems and you have some sympathy for them at the same time. And, and you care about them, even though they're they're causing you pain. Yeah. And. Because they're family, you have a tie to them. And when holidays come and you're not at the same table, it pains you. Everything comes up again. Like, why am I not doing this? And what, what's happened here? And I'm not suggesting for a moment that we should just say, well, there's no such thing as a toxic relationship in a family. I'm really asking, how do you manage that? In a, in a thoughtful way. You know, in the, in the Moxor that we use at Anshayamit, the Moxor for the conservative movement, there is a special prayer for Yisker for people who are remembering someone who is abusive, which I think is really remarkable. And I, I think it's so thoughtful because how do you remember someone in a way that is not going to sort of increase the pain to kind of present somebody as this perfect father or mother, as it's often presented within the wording of the Haskara, the El Malay Rachamim prayer, or the Yisker prayer. And yet, you know, you, you have feelings about that person where the person may have actually been physically abusive or something along those lines. So here, the, the Machsor is telling you that even when you have a toxic family relationship, that doesn't mean the bond is broken, you know, right? the, bond, the bond is severed forever. It means that you have to find a way to sort of manage that. I'm interested to know how you think about that. It's a really great and tricky question because we all wrestle with this and it's, it's one thing to wrestle with it after someone's gone when you're remembering them and you're trying to balance the fact that they had problems too that probably contributed to the way they treated you badly. 
Um, it's another thing to deal with it in, you know, while they're still with us when you're deciding whether you can stand to be together for the holidays or, you know, whether the pains of the past, you know, preclude any hope for the future. It's a lot harder, especially when the behavior is continuing, when it's ongoing, when the things that offend you continue to offend you. You know, we all know people who are not accepted by family members because of their politics or their sexual orientation or just because of some perceived slight in the past. And, and those hard feelings don't always go away. And then how do you deal with it? Do you continue to try to find a way to atone for your sins and to uh, or maybe you're the one who who caused the offense, right? Or do you do you just write them off? It's easier just to sort of remain angry, I think. Maybe not the healthiest. I think the way you framed it is really important. And I, I guess what we try to do in our tradition is we look to the Torah. And the nice thing about the book of Genesis is that you sort of have the hall of fame for dysfunctional families, <laughs> right? You, you know, beginning with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, you know, a, you know, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. It's just like if you just mention the names and your mind sort of goes with it. So, oh, yeah. Or Joseph and his brothers, Jacob and Esau. Show me a relationship that's not conflictual in the book of Genesis. And so something happens in this week's portion that is just remarkable. It's the death of Sarah. Sarah has died, and the whole first part of the portion of Chaye Sarah is all about Abraham making all the preparations to bury her, and we learn all kinds of things about what does it mean to perform the mitzvah of Kavod Hamit, to honor the dead. And uh, Abraham does all of these things in an extraordinary way. He then attends to the, the affairs of his household. He makes sure that Isaac has a wife and Rebekah, and at the very end of the portion, Abraham dies. And it's a very beautiful portion about being a responsible parent. And then when he dies, there is a detail that the Torah adds that's just astounding because the people who bury Abraham is Isaac and Ishmael, his brother. And so Ishmael is the one who was sent away. He and his mother, Hagar, were sent into the wilderness. And it had not been for God's caring hand, they would have died in the wilderness. And so if anybody had a toxic relationship with their father, it was Ishmael. But then again, you know, I'm not sure that you can top Isaac because Abraham took him up on a mountain and almost killed him. Right? <laughs> Suddenly my, my cousin Leo doesn't look so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. You know what? I'm going to invite that guy after all. This is, the, you know, his stock just went up by a lot. But but here, so here you have these two sons. And by the way, at the end of the Akedah, Abraham, the Torah doesn't record Abraham and Isaac ever speaking again. So maybe that's the Torah's way of saying, yes, something went terribly wrong here. So, but what happens at the end is here are these two brothers who had their own conflicts, come together and bury their father. So maybe the Torah is telling us something here, that family is forever. And no matter what you actually think, you have to maintain the ties. You don't just cut people off. You find a way to manage that. I, I you know, I'm sure there are going to be people who are listening to this and saying, who are angry at what I'm saying, saying, no, no, you don't really understand how bad this was. 
Well, I think we all have our stories, but I know some people have perfectly horrendous stories of abuse, etc. What kind of relationship do you have with that person? And yet, what are we doing to ourselves when we cut someone off? Is there a price that we pay because we are bereft of family or a family of, or of a parent? How do we manage that? That's the question the Torah is raising. Yeah, and you must see this all the time with when, when you have funerals, um, families coming together and, and suddenly being forced face to face with people that they hadn't seen or didn't want to see for a long time and also confronting the memories because now it's too late. This person's gone and you did not resolve your issues and now you have to live with the memory of it. And I, I think what you know what I hear you saying is that um, we can only control sometimes one side of the relationship. You can't control what this toxic person has done to you, especially if it's in the past. Uh, maybe they're continuing to do it to you and, and you feel like you have something you can try to change. But often it's about how you control the story, how you control your end of the relationship and how you feel about it as you go forward because that's all you can do. I think you framed that beautifully. And what you made me think about is that for families, oftentimes the pre-funeral meeting is more important than the, than the funeral itself. Because what you're trying to do, this is as a rabbi I'm speaking now, what I'm trying to do as a rabbi is I'm trying to allow people to share their memories of a person and to help frame a person's life in a way that every, where everybody's been heard. Sometimes you'll sit in a, in a meeting, you would think that the children are talking about completely different people. You have one brother who says, or son who says uh, X, Y, and Z, and the, this was the best father one could have ever imagined. And the other, the other child is saying, well, um, not so much. You know, uh, I was the oldest child and he wasn't there for me. You were the youngest and he was there for me. You know, it goes on and on and on. And what you find in these meetings is people say, oh, it wasn't so bad, you know, and my job as the rabbi is to make sure that people can hear each other. But here's a story. Let's talk about the story. And it's not a matter of, well, it's whether that story goes into the eulogy or not. The story is that the person can be heard. Or sometimes you'll have children who think that their parent was remarkable and wonderful, and other times they both agree that the parent had a lot of deficits. What, what you try to do in situations like that is that is to help people understand that they were maybe the best parent they could have been. Maybe they didn't have the role models. We start to talk about things like that so that you can have a memory that you can take with you that's going to give you some comfort. Right At the end of the day, what is going to bring you a little bit of comfort in here? I know all the rational reasons why I might want to stay away from this person and that this was an unforgivable act, etc. But what does that do to you? And here, you know, this podcast is going to be, um, be aired before Thanksgiving. And I know that this is a really traumatic time for lots of people. How do we manage family, especially in this... Um, hyper-political time where you can barely have a conversation with anyone about politics or anything else that's going on in the world. How do we manage that? I think that's a real question. It's a great question. And, and you know, as you were speaking, um, I was thinking about, you know, my work has some similarity in that I go and I interview people about other people's lives. And I, when I was writing the Muhammad Ali biography, I interviewed all three of his surviving wives, and they all had very different stories to tell. They all conflicted with each other. They, they couldn't be in the same room together, uh, but they were all talking to me 
reflecting on each other, um, and I was kind of the um, the moderator. I I was listening to all of them, and I would say, you know, a big part of what you do and what I do that's so important is just that listening process. Because when people feel like they're being heard, when they feel like they're able to say what bothered them, and that's a big part of the process. That I think that really helps. I think that's right, and. That just hearing each other for that one minute makes all the difference in the world. And I think we often need someone to moderate that conversation. I don't know about you, but as soon as I'm with my siblings, I kind of go back to, I don't know, Michael Siegel circa 13 years old. You know, <laughs> you know, and all, you know, start acting in ways that I would have acted, you know, in a much younger, you know, you go back to certain ways of relating to people. And, I think that can be challenging. It's about hearing someone, and sometimes we need help hearing other people when we have long-standing relationships with them, to at least at least appreciate what they're trying to say. Yeah, and and showing up and and talking and listening like Ishmael shows up. Um, that's a good way to start showing that you're open to the conversation. Well, Jonathan, I wish you uh, a happy Thanksgiving and you and your family, and I hope you guys can come together and enjoy the day. I know that we're going to do that, and. Um, I'll be thinking of you. Thanks. Same to you.